Hello and welcome to another episode of the Branching Out podcast, where we explore jobs and projects within ground control. Today we are talking to the inimitable Malcolm Watson, an Arbor Utility Project Manager. Now there's a bit of a mouthful. It's certainly a varied and fascinating role. So let's hear all about it. Welcome, uh, Malcolm. It would be great if you could just introduce yourself and just, you know, what is your job title? What do you do? Well, uh, I'm Malcolm Watson. Nice to be with you, Neil. Thanks for the invite. Basically, I, I, my title is Arb Surveyor Project Manager. Uh, I work within utilities and the contract work for us, National Grid Energy Distribution, used to be uh, Western Power. Right. Um, if you go and look at a typical day, I've got to say there's no such thing in this world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was going to be a question. <laughs> um, it, it, it changes every every day. He's got changing priorities, but of course that brings new opportunities. Sure. But if we're talking about our current day as we're here, here now in 23, my typical day I'll start with conversation with the cutting team or cutting teams I'm responsible for as really just to check that they're, they're logged on to our stay safe system, which is a superb system. Right. Um, I can sound testimony to that. I've been had to use it in an emergency earlier this year. It really does work. And basically, we just check that they're en route to the arranged work. They've got no issues, no vehicle problems. And that's a great win-win, really, because it starts you down with conversation, anything between 8, 8.30 in the morning. Um, okay. And also you get some personal positive interaction with, with, with the cutting teams every day. Yes. After that, after a cup of tea, I probably sat at my desk raising um, work orders for teams or, or organising teams or gaining consents from landowners from where we've surveyed. That's, that's the main part of currently what we're doing. Uh, there'll be an element of updating forecasting sheets and liaising with... Uh, people such as client wayleaves officers, traffic management companies, um, agencies such as highways or councils for things we've got to do. Yeah. Uh, dependent on the day, uh, there could be meetings with colleagues like I've had this morning, a, tr a trip out with a senior manager. We have to factor those different things in and they can change daily. Uh, our, yesterday I was out, for example, visiting customers, reviewing and auditing some works that have been completed. Uh, I was also surveying some defects that had been identified. Some were defects, some weren't. And the day may involve meeting up with a contractor uh, where okay. we'll look at health and safety. So we may do a toolbox talk on safety or we'll run through a compliance safety audit, which is done monthly with the cutting teams and a, and a full audit is done every six months. So that's fairly typical. We, we, could, we could be on a shutdown, you know, uh, where we have to close off the power for a set of time. So like I said, the, the days are very varied. So, so, I, so I was going to obviously... Quite quite a few bits there to unpack. So going going back yeah. slightly, utilities can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So in your world, what what are you meaning by utilities? Utilities is electricity. So basically, okay. any anything from low voltage, thousand watt for, for me personally, up to thirty three kV. Okay. Um, anything above thirty three, sixty six kV upwards is um, uh, looked after by another division, which is resilience. Um, okay. We're, right. we're maintenance. So yes, basically, our, right. our job will be more maintaining the the um, lower voltage um, line. So anything that's going into the house or moving across fields, you know, that you see as you're driving along. Sure. Um, and just maintaining the vegetation from around those um, conductors and and the transformers and the poles to keep them safe and to keep, keep all the sign uh, signage clear. Yeah. Um, the resilience boys are, are going in for the bigger pylons that you see. So, so they right. get involved in a lot more forestry side. But ours yeah. is very much customer facing once we've um, surveyed. Yes. Interesting. And for those that don't 
use it, you know, office staff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you seem to be quite an advocate of these, these stay safe. So tell us a bit about that. Well, basically in, in, in the morning, um, we'd all do it. Um, we'll log on to the system, the stay safe system, um, mm -hmm. and that will track where you are. Right. Not so much for, for a monitoring tool. That's not what it's yep. really used for at all. Yep. But it's more if there's a situation as in, say, there's a, um, a, a fault report on the line and we need to get a cutting team to a, a branch that's fallen or a tree that's fallen, we can see where the teams are, we can see where the project managers are. Um, in the instance that I had, I, I had an accident in a, uh, on, on some farmland um, earlier in the year and within seconds, because it was a fall, as an alarm goes off, there's like a, a, a vibration alert that you can set or a fall right. alert. Uh, there's all sorts of tweaks you can put in there. Yes. And it picked up that I'd had an accident. And within two minutes, I'd had three phone calls. Are you OK? Where are you? Wow. I would then say within five minutes, there was somebody with me to help me. Yeah. I won't go into the details. It was quite serious. There was not, not, nothing wrong with what we were doing. Um, it was something that some, something wasn't signed and got correct signage on a farm. And I entered into an area that was was very dangerous, as it turned out. Sure. So it works on on, on those levels, and that's really what it's there for. Um, Interesting. Can, you know, we we know that everybody's safe, basically, and it is stay yeah. safe. There's also a great little thing on there that if you are in a position where you may be challenged or or you feel unsafe, yeah. very rare this happens, but it can happen. Yes. Um, there's a, a method where you can um, click a button on your phone, be the volume button, whatever you set, uh, a set number of times, three times, five times, and that will uh, insti instigate a call. Right. Interesting. So it, it really is it. about keeping people safe. It's yeah. a superb system. Yeah. And great to hear that there is a system. I'm interested. One, one question that, that kind of really sprung to mind, because thankfully, uh, and thank you, Malcolm, for volunteering to be on the podcast um, early on, rather than being slightly strong armed into it at this stage. Um, <laughs> so I'm interested because, you know, one of the things you commented when you said, oh, yeah, I, I'll be interested is people don't, you know, kind of really understand what we do. So what are the kind of the, the misconceptions or stereotypes about your job that you'd like to debunk? Well, I think that the, the, one of the main stereotypes, rightly or wrongly, uh, is a term that's used within arboriculture, really. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's, it's, it's historical. It came up the other day, funnily enough, in a conversation. And, and it's about clearance, not appearance. Oh, tell um, me more. Now, that, that, that's interesting. As, as I've been in, uh, as before I came into GC, I was working as a, a surveyor. Uh, before that, I'd been in arboriculture and, and, and general management. But we, we have a set clearance that we need to achieve from the power lines uh, and from the, the equipment yep. to keep the lines working, to keep them safe, to keep members of the public safe if they're, if they're nearby, and, and to guarantee a continued supply. And that's a legal requirement that all the energy distributors are required to do, be that National Grid, um, Scottish, Electric, whoever it is. And... Um, to do that, we have a, a clearance that we have to gain of two metres, three metres, four metres over a five year period. And that may mean just cutting one side of a tree or cutting one part of a hedge. Sure. And and for a long while, people have said, oh, it's clearance, not appearance, because, you know, you can't keep the, the, the apical dominance or the shape. Yes. Sorry, you can't keep the shape of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Where we can, we do. You know, there's, proving, uh, there's pruning points that we'll go back to. And an awful lot of that is is then working with the client, working with the the the, the customer, and and in general terms, people do understand that you're there to provide a service, right? 
that if somebody's got a tree or vegetation next to a line and heaven forbid anything should happen and it takes power out it's not just say his farm is going to be affected it could be the entire village and i don't think anybody wants the entire village turning up with pitchforks <laughs> yeah um you know my freezers you know not working um so i think most people generally understand what we're trying to achieve but I think in within the industry where we do pride ourselves on, yep. on, on standards, I mean, we, we work to British Standard 3998, um, our boricultural standard, and, and the cuts have to be completed to that standard. But we don't go to the full extent of, say, a crown reduction where it just needs a side prune or or a reduction sure. in height. So sometimes yep. it, it it is we're seen as a poor relation, I think, in our boriculture. Yeah. And yeah. Um, really, we're not. I mean, you have to be very skilled to work around live lines, which very often we are. Um, yeah. It costs money to shut lines down. So shutdowns are kept to a minimum. But obviously, where it's safety critical, they'll be implemented. Yes. Um, but it takes skill to do to yeah. do that kind of work. Yeah, you know, as, and as there's a, a lot of training tree... goes into it. You know, yeah. same with surveying. Um, as a tree surveyor, um, I, I, I used to go out and look at the the health and safety of the tree, um, check for fungus, check for root problems, or identification of weak branches, unions, that type of thing. And we still do to an extent. But the surveying within this model is for clearance and, and yes. for safety. We still do look at, uh, at weak unions or, or trees within a distance that could cause disruption, but that, that comes on to a, to, to a separate part of, of the report. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because, you know, as a previous chainsaw operator myself, it, it's I wouldn't have wanted to cut anywhere near a power line, would never even attempted it. I would have run, run a mile for that one. So yeah. it's, it's interesting that... Well, most of it's by hand, Neil. We don't allow yes. any, any any sort of pulses or or things like that near live right. lines. Yeah, yes, yeah. Again, I think there's a there's a a potential not misunderstanding, but lack of knowledge that people yes. do think the that you know the cutter, cutters are out there running at the tree with the chain running and all that kind of stuff. So I'm interested. Tell us a bit more about that that standard you mentioned. Well, the 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 ARB standard is, is is a British standard. Three nine nine is is a British standard. Yeah. Um, that will tell you, amongst other things, where your pruning points are, the the amount of the um, uh, crown, for example, that you can take off. Certainly, no more than thirty yeah. percent. Where these cuts should be, how the cuts should be left, the angle of the cuts. Um, it's it's a it's a standard that really any our our boricultural person should be working to. Yes. From your your tree surgeon that comes comes and prunes your your fruit trees or, or or your leylandi to to the work that we do, but it yeah. is best standard. And, and yeah. being the company we are, we work to best practice all the way yes. through. You know. I, I think it's useful that people know there is such a thing. It's not just an arbitrary somebody wanders along and think, oh, we'll take that much off. Actually, there's 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 a reason, a purpose, and a quality behind that, yes. which I think is yeah. really good. Yeah, interesting that you say quality because quality is the overriding thing. Yeah, and from what you said, quality and safety. Oh, <laughs> without obviously... the hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> safety is paramount. The very, very first thing before you step out the door, yeah. uh, and before we've got any teams stepping out the door, and you know this, is, this comes right from the very top of the company down. Um, yeah. Everybody has this uh, attitude of get home safe, return yeah. home safe. Yeah. Um, and it's refreshing to hear that right from the very senior members of, of the company down to um, general managers that you work with, e even ourselves. It's, yes. it's, it, it is our mantra. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, it's good. It works. It yeah. works. So talk me through what a typical, you, you talked about going kind of on site and doing some of those initial surveys. So mm. what would you be looking at or looking for during something like that? Well, the, the uh, probably the easiest to explain how we survey. Um, yeah. Where, where, where you, for, for, I'm trying to put it into layman's terms and, and not be overcomplicated. <laughs> <laughs> but where, imagine you've got a number of um, wooden poles running across a field. Yeah. And, and you've got these these uh, lines of electricity going across to each pole with the um, with the bars going across with the uh, with the different bits of equipment on there. Yes. We will start at a point uh, and each pole has got a number. So we work across the poles. It gets interesting where they go off on T junctions and and across different bits of land. But we will start at a point, usually at the um, uh, primary unit where where the main source of, of power is. Right. We will walk out from there across the lines and we'll do it pole by pole by pole. So we'll survey from one pole to the other pole. Yeah. Is there any veg vegetation nearby? No, it's clear. That is wonderful. It means we can move on and get and get another job. Okay. Done. We will also check while we're doing that though, is there any damage to the pole? You know, just as a, a general thing for the client. The client doesn't go and look at every single pole. So for example, is a tractor caught the end of it? Um, is there some subsidence in the ground? You know, things of that nature. The main thing is, is the danger of death sign visible? That is such a high legal requirement. I mean, somebody might come along. I mean, I've known people say, oh, I thought that was a telegraph pole. No, telegraph pole is completely different. So, you know, don't try and climb that. Thank you very much. You know, yeah. And that's why for, for a layman, if you want to know the difference, electricity pole will have no little steps in it. A telegraph pole will have those little metal steps towards the oh, top. Wow. Um, so okay. that's one of the easiest ways of telling the difference. So, yeah, we make sure the danger of death signs there and, and all the numbers. Now, if we move on to the next pole, um, there may be a number of trees at the side of it or a couple of trees or hedgerow. And we know, as I've stated through the um, specifications that are laid out, legal specifications, the legal framework, we have to guarantee a clearance of those lines, of that equipment, that transformer, whatever it may be, right. of, for five years. And this is where it gets a little bit specialist because you have to know your fast growing species to your slow growing species. If you cut, is it going to make the tree or, or the vegetation react? And suddenly throw off a lot of really fast growth, which is going to cause a problem where yeah. we're going to have to go back in two or three years. Many things like that to consider. But the, the, the overriding objective is to ensure that for the next five years, there's a con continuation of uh, supply of power and that it's safe. So if a tree's climbable, for example, you don't want somebody to be able to climb and be able to reach near to a cable. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's the sort of thing that we'll look at. We'll then decide what works required. Um, is it a fell? Is it a reduction? Is it a hedge cut? Is it take out high spots? Lots of different things we, we can do. Um, we'll record that into our, our system that we have within the business. That generates uh, work. Um, from there on, we will then generate a what's called a permission document, which goes okay. to the landowner. And the landowner can clearly see which trees we're talking about, the location of the trees by map and by photograph, sure. a detail of all the works and how we'll complete them. There's also a glossary of terms that explains to somebody what a pollard is, what a crown reduction is, skirt lift, yeah. all, all the things that may be in there. 
Um, we will then issue that to the uh, landowner. That could be via the post. It could be by email if we've got the details on, on file, which we often have. Or it may be going and visiting them and knocking on the door and, and talking to them about it, yeah. which may, of course, come through after an email. The interesting challenges that come from that is over five years, an awful lot happens with the selling of land and properties. Sure. So you may have somebody's details, but that person may have sold that land. It may have been split into smaller parcels. Yeah. It might be part of a, a a group owned land where it's split into different segments. It might be public ownership. It might be council land. It's yeah. so many variables. You know, somebody <laughs> may have sold it and suddenly there's houses built there. What? Where do these come from? You know. Yeah. So so that's where it gets intricate. But but. In, in in a nutshell, that's what we do. At the start of the year, we go and survey. We'll probably spend three months, four months out in the field surveying all these poles, thousands, thousands yeah. of them. We we walk across in all weathers. You can't just wait for a nice day to go out. It can be in foul, yeah. atrocious weather. But you do it. <laughs> you know, it's part of it. Yeah. You, get, you get good and bad. Then after that, we've got the process of uh, so getting the permissions. And then we have to plan the cutting program, which is basically what I'm in the middle of doing now is issuing the work to the, the cutting teams, the arborists, contractors who work for yeah. us to ensure that that's completed within, within that contract year. And, and, and still with a mind now to think we're in November, January, I've got to start surveying again. Yes. <laughs> so it is, it's very much about planning. This job yeah. really is about planning and being organised. Yeah. Wow. So much of what you've been talking about is that, that quality and safety you know part part of it within your role where does the kind of sustainability biodiversity stuff fit it fits when you're surveying and when right. you're recommending the works for example yep. um yep. i mean a perfect example I, I was on a couple of estates yesterday uh, we've got agreement to leave the the logs and timber and brush for them to use so they're, they're going to use right. the, the chip where, where, where they can use it on their land. And yep. um, we often use leave logs where people use ecology piles. Um, nice. Nowhere near the the, the, the um, poles or anything. So people can't yes, climb Yes, of course. <laughs> um, and and we, we've always got that ecology mind there in, in, in the back of our heads. And, and yep. likewise, when we're looking at, uh, say, a veteran tree or, 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 or a, a, a very mature tree, what's in that tree? You know? Yes. Um, is the the um, potential for bat roosting, for example? If there is, yeah. let's let's get it eco surveyed. You know, um, if we take this down, what's it going to do to the environment? You know, what are those trees doing for the water table? Yeah. You know, there's there's those considerations we make as well. Again, that's that's the beauty of of having people like yourselves on, on this podcast. It's really helping people understand that. If you think about doing a tree survey, if you're not in the know, it could be just wandering around saying, "Yeah, we need a couple of a couple of branches off that bit." You know, very. It's so there's so many links, consequences, things oh, that you're so having many to facets take into account. So many yeah. facets. I mean, an, an interesting one is is things like fast-growing species, willow trees in particular, ash trees. Yeah. What has been noticed within the industry is really over the last, I'd say, five to seven years. Those species and others have started reacting quicker to cuts. Right. And I recently, at the start of the year, did a, a, a couple of months secondment survey. Well, I was just just surveying willow trees and ash trees all over several <laughs> counties. Yeah. To pull up a report that we, we we've supplied to the client, 
Um, not not asked for, not required, purely a voluntary thing by, by ground control. And it identified that we were needing to go back in three years rather than five years. So rather than waiting for the, the client to, to hit us with defects and faults, we were proactively noticing that we need to change our approach to cutting certain species. Yes. You know, we've gone along, we've cut, which is, you know, what we would have done. But the consequence of that cut is that it shot out a lot of fast growth and we've got to go back in three years time. Yeah. Whereby if we'd have left it, we or, or or cut smaller or cut lower or there's all sorts of parameters it would have reacted differently so yeah. that's better for the client it's better for gc it's better for for, for the um for the environment so wow. we've adapted so that's yes. another facet and, and and a great thing we had, we had a stand down day where all, all the surveyors were out or we were taken to a land with with actual bands to go and survey with all these variances in there so that we we had first-hand feel and knowledge of how things were changing. Yeah, so, yeah. so always, as, as the saying goes, always learning. Always, constantly, constantly, yeah. constantly. Yeah. That's great. On each episode, we do end the episode with a bit of a slightly silly question, just <laughs> just to end it, end it on a high. And I try and change... The question each time if you could swap jobs with any fictional character for a day who would it be oh, oh, oh. oh that's an interesting one <laughs> that's very interesting um because i've had lots of different roles through, through, mm. through the years from sort of sales management and retail to international management yeah oh whose role would i would i swap with yeah this any fictional sad. any fictional character fictional character mm. Wow. Let me think. Let me think. Okay. Okay. There's a reason I'm going to say this. Go on then. There's a a local reason. Bring it on. Fictional character would be Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay. And not because of the Watson connection, (laughs) (laughs) but um, an interesting uh, character. If 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 you've read, read most people have read the books or seen the films or the TV yes. programs. Yeah. Very interesting, complex, amusing character. Um, but the thing I like about Sherlock Holmes is, is his thought process. Right. He seems to see things and look and monitor and able to deduce. Um, yes. A lot quicker than anybody else. Uh, it'd be yes. great to spend a day in in that brain. Yeah, really would. And yeah. the reason I, I, I sort of said that is a lot of people don't know, but his character was based on a real life detective from my hometown of Leicester. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and there's a building in Leicester that, that, that the guy's name was Tanky Smith. And um, he was the first ever um, detective. Yes. And there's a building in Leicester on London Road in Leicester still stands. It was his house. And if you look to the very top, there's. I think it's 22, looks like gargoyles, but they're not. It's 22 different characters that he used to dress oh. up as and go. And his trick was to go into the, the alehouses of the day and the different dens and hear who was doing what, who was going where. And and, and that's how he got his, his detective rate up. And that is who Conan Doyle based Sherlock Holmes on. Fascinating. So, And, and it's probably, you probably... To an extent, channel your inner Sherlock Holmes when you're doing your surveys. You see, you're, you're out <laughs> to a certain juicing, extent. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yet have a pipe, anyways. 
So thanks so much, Malcolm. That is amazing. Uh, really yeah, fascinating. Welcome. Great to kind of hear what you do and the complexity that you end up getting involved with. And actually how it certainly helps explain you saying it was very difficult to say what a typical day is because you, very, you're doing very. such a broad range of roles. Yeah. So uh, we, yeah. we, haven't even, we haven't even touched on the reporting process. Yeah. And yeah, the forecasting well, and the well, spreadsheets maybe we can, that you Maybe we can get it's... you back for another episode <laughs> at another time. So of the office-based go... thing. Yeah. Malcolm Watson, part two. So, yeah. um, so thanks so much, Malcolm. That is amazing. That, really good to talk to you. Welcome I hope it's useful and, and, and can do something. And there you have it, folks. Malcolm Watson, an absolute natural on the podcast. I think you'll agree. Really nice, easy to chat to and really fascinating. I could certainly listen to a lot more of those stories. Please do subscribe to the podcast and until next time, take care.